Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. Dean, on a scale of um, your favorite leisure activity Ooh. to, let's say, dental surgery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, that a, is that an appropriate yeah, that's a, scale? That's a good that you spectrum. Can, you yep. can put a nice yep. gauge into. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, Where yep. would you put finding a parking spot? Oh, wow. Whether it's just in a garage, at a sporting event, especially maybe like in a big city somewhere. Well, I'll answer that by saying that is an evolving spectrum depending on how time sensitive it is right, and how right. much I've invested in getting it. Like, you know, sometimes I go downtown and I can find a parking spot right. very quickly. Good experience. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. happy. But you've also had those experiences. You're getting to a game. There's nowhere to park. Yeah. It's like, ah, and then, the, you know, your anxiety amps up. So yeah. I don't know. The time angle is definitely a big part. Time's also, like, huge familiarity, angle. too. You know, Absolutely. Like, like, I've been to, like, you know, I, to your example, like, if I go to a Reds game or yeah. something, yeah. I'm so used to going down there. You know, knowing, you got your go-to spot. Yeah, yeah. I know my, yeah, yeah, yeah. although that's changed over the years, too, to be honest. But mm-hmm. but even then, to your point, it can still be a little stressful if you're running yep. late, if yep. you're trying to get yep. on time, if yep. traffic's worse than usual. And some yeah. of this modern stuff. That I think we're going to get into mm-hmm. sometimes a little hiccupy, like you know, oh that's no, you got to download the app, you got to. And it's like, oh, wait, what are we doing here? There you go. Fifteen minutes later, I've missed the opening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm still now, paying for let's my take those frustrations that we have as drivers yes, dealing yes. with stuff. But imagine with like folks that are managing or running these lots and garages. Yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating for them too, oh, for sure. You yeah. know, because they yeah. they want they get complaints. Their goal is they want people to show up, yep. park in the spots, fill the place up. You know, get plenty of money out of it yep. and yep. and get on with their days. This so they got true. a business this to is run true. there. This is true. So yes, to your point, we are going to talk about smart parking technology. Uh-huh. So the stuff uh-huh. that's making this a little bit, uh, yeah. hopefully a little bit easier, mm-hmm. and maybe presenting some opportunities for our VARs. Hey. Uh, we've got John Whiteman from OmniQ on with us today. They Great are partner. Sp- uh, they are specialists in parking technology, yep. which I think is so cool when a, when a you know, VAR slash ISV like has a specialty in something that's a unique like niche this? that we yes. all know that people have yes. to figure out and deal with. This is like one of those little industries you never even think yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. There's a ton there. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the evolution of parking management. We're going to talk about AI, obviously. Yes. I mean, where hasn't it gone? you got to yes, talk about course. AI, and there's, and there's obviously a piece <laughs> that fits in there. We'll talk about where there's hardware opportunities. We'll get into the benefits, obviously, for everybody, so that if you are interested in going out and selling these solutions, mm-hmm. you know what to mm-hmm. talk about. So nice. A lot of fun stuff to cover. So uh, it's time to find a spot that fits your car. Hey. And uh, get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right. As I mentioned, our guest today is John Whiteman. He is the executive director of sales for parking and mobility at OmniQ. John, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on the show. So tell us a little about yourself, your background, and how, how does one get to be a, an expert in in all things parking? You know, I mean, like, I, I, I'm going to assume you've you've had those experiences yourself. That's that's given you a little a little reason to to know what's going on out there. Yeah. So, so first of all, Dean and John, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Tech Connect and Blue Star, which has been a tremendous partner uh, in our company's growth. We've gone through a number of evolutions, acquisitions, name changes, but throughout all of that, one of the the core generators of our growth has been our relationship with Blue Star. So, I really want to thank you up front for this opportunity. So, you know, one of the, the strange things about parking is that it's a very small uh, community. 
And most of the people said, I never went to college for it. I never thought I was going to end up in parking. And through some strange scenario, you ended up in parking for a lifetime and it became a family business and your son and daughter got involved in it. I was going to ask and, if there was a degree of some sort, John, you know, <laughs> some some accreditation. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well there are uh, accreditations given out by the, by the industry. Uh, absolutely. You know, in my case, I, you know, I started out going to school and university for law enforcement administration, which took a couple twists and turns through security and then into technology and then into CCTV for a dozen years. And I ended up with a company that was selling to a company in parking and they said, hey, John, why don't you come join us? And I ended up with a small little uh, Israeli startup that was bringing um in those days, license plate recognition technology to the United States. I was employee number one. We had virtually no business here. We weren't in the parking space and we were trying to find our way home. And that was 2011. And since that time, our growth in parking has been spectacular. We arguably are one of the largest um, AI LPR providers in the parking space today. In the U.S. alone, we have over 1,500 sites, 10,000 lanes is one of the ways that people look at how, how much technology you've planted. We're in all of the, uh, the platinum airports around the country. Uh, uh, Dean, you mentioned you were in New York uh, recently, and we're in all four of the New York airports. So I don't know if you parked or rented a car, but if you did, you would have experienced uh, some of our technology. We're, but we're, we're coast to coast, JFK to Atlanta to Dallas to LAX and everywhere in between. And, and you know, we're, we're very proud of the uh, footprint we have uh, within airports. And we're, you know, we continue to help people get from coast to coast in the most efficient manner, uh, playing a small role in the overall transportation of people, goods, and uh, services. Nice. That's awesome. I, right? It's just one of these little industries you don't think about, but... but everybody needs it. Everybody, you know? Well, not only everybody needs it, but I think more you think about it, everybody knows a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> then you probably <laughs> maybe even know some opportunities with some ownership. Yeah. We'll get into that yep. here a little yep. bit. We're going to yeah. talk more about that, obviously. This is yeah. a gem. Yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into this then. Let's talk about you know the, the world of parking. And, and, and again, I think from the way you framed it here, obviously, clearly there's some some interesting examples out there and there's mm. some interesting growth that's happened out there. So help us out with that. Give us a little bit of the backstory here. You know, what have you seen in your time working in this industry, the evolution of parking management? You know, what is, what does it look like in the past? What kind of challenges are garages facing and, and, and you know, where, where are we at right now? Yeah. Well, well so if you go way back <laughs> uh, before all of our times in the early 1900s, uh, the, uh, the industry was created for automated parking. And it was actually the first garage that was automated was in Paris. And they called it automated because you drove your car in and they put it on an elevator and it went up to a different level and somebody drove it off and parked the car. And that was the beginning of uh, the automation phase, which has evolved uh, over the years. And quite frankly, since COVID has tremendously accelerated uh, technology deployment, within parking. Uh, if you remember, uh, who can forget, COVID drove the no-touch, low-touch, uh, frictionless concept. QR codes, which have been around for 30 years, all of a sudden became prevalent in parking. Way to 
make a reservation as a way to pay for your parking. Um, so there's been more technology developed and deployed in parking in the last five years than in the prior 10 or 15. And if you uh, do a little bit of research or you remember history, you know, at one point automation involved a, a man or a woman sitting at the parking lot with a cigar box, a car pulling in, them uh, taking your $20 or $5, giving you change. And that led to issues about scalability, about uh, cars waiting in line. And of course, one of the major uh, topics uh, amongst parking owners and operators is profitability. And profitability um, revolves around shrinkage, uh, theft, uh, lost tickets. And I can tell you all kinds of stories about people that came in and said they lost their ticket and uh, traditional uh, parking owners and operators said, okay, you lost your ticket. I'm sorry for that. You owe for 24 hours. And somebody would say, oh man, that's $50 in downtown Chicago. Uh, but as technology evolved, they were able to identify that vehicle through some of the technologies that we offer today through the license plate, which is a credential, just as an example. And they could look up that uh, plate number ABC123 actually who claim they lost their ticket and came in today, they've been there for a week, they've flown out of the airport, and they actually owe $350. So the, the evolution of technology has made owning and operating uh, parking facilities, both lots and garages, much more profitable than it was just five to 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember those worlds where mm -hmm. you got the little attendant mm -hmm. out there. And uh, and to your point, John, that's not very scalable, right? I mean, you can't, you know, if you're an owner of these facilities, of course, they're, they're still out there. Um, you can't scale that. But to that point, is there a trend in parking? I mean, I made the note I'm because you start to see, well, I'll, I'll call it pop-up parking, but I know that's not the right, the right probably phrase. But in essence, with some technology, you can turn any patch of land into a parking lot, mm -hmm. you know, in essence, uh, without the need for the human, you know, the, with, the, with the cigar box and stuff like that, through a lot of the technologies that you that you guys sell. So scaling seems much easier to do uh, at this. At yeah, this point. It, it is. And if I could jump around a little bit, um, you know, one of the, the latest trends is to go what people are calling ticketless. So the bulk of automation today revolves around pulling into a facility and there's a machine there and you press a button that has evolved. Now you wave your hand and it does what we call spits a ticket out. You take the ticket. When you pull the ticket, the gate opens and you're allowed to pull in. There's a lot of um, uh, inefficiencies in that process because you're dealing with paper you're dealing with lines being uh, queued up to get a ticket, dealing with a gate opening. And today, one of the things that is capturing uh, imagination and traction is the concept of let's go gateless and let's go ticketless. And let's use technology. Let's use a phone for an advanced reservation. Let's use a QR code in the uh, parking facility to scan and initiate my transaction. Let's use the license plate as a credential to track the time that the vehicle uh, entered and the time that it left and bill accordingly without any human intervention whatsoever, number one. So, so that's an evolution of automation, but it's also um, 
pushing the industry to the point where you can do this almost anywhere. Like you, you mentioned, you could put it into your soccer field and uh, do things like uh, enforcement. So a vehicle pulls in, it's paid to park for two hours and through enforcement technology, whether that's a vehicle driving around or an enforcement officer walking around with scanners and handhelds, they can tell if a vehicle's supposed to be there and if it's not supposed to be there or they've overstayed their their time, they can issue a citation. They can do that digitally. They can email it. They can place it on the vehicle. They can, you know, handle it in a very efficient manner that allows um, facilities that aren't necessarily prepared to take on the prior technology costs to offer parking and to do it in a low cost manner. And I think that that sets the expectation. My expectation now is not to have that attendant. You know, I'm expecting it to be some type of automated transaction wherever I go to park. And, and, you know, on the scalability, we, we recently had a stadium that was built here in Cincinnati TQL stadium um, for our, our MLS team. And it was put in an area that traditionally did not have a lot of parking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now you have opportunities if you were a landowner around there and, and maybe had a patch of land that uh, uh, was underutilized, you could convert that into some parking mm-hmm. spaces. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I'm going to overstate it, parachute in some technology to help automate, you know, some of those processes. So really kind of fascinating uh, how, how technology has evolved in this in this wonderful little space here yeah right yeah. yeah well and to your point there is a lot of like that that interesting little pop-up stuff that happens <clears throat> i went to the indy 500 this has probably been about oh man 15 20 uh, years ago maybe talk about surge pricing oh yeah <laughs> like well it was fascinating because just in the drive up there like you know and it, it, it and mind you i was there like maybe two i was on my way there let's say about two hours before it was supposed to the race was supposed to even start mm-hmm. and you get in this massive clog of traffic but along the way there are literally people that as you're passing through like neighborhoods mm-hmm. who are offering up parking in their front, their, their front yard. Oh, yeah. That They're happens like, hey, the you derby. Can, yeah. you can park right uh-huh. here for like 15 yeah. bucks. Right. Like, I don't yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, just a ra- yeah. random stuff. And then that was even before you got to the lots, which I use that in heavy quotes because, you know, it, it was the same thing. It was like just giant open fields. But again, this was back then where, you know, a couple decades back, it was mostly still just people just taking cash right. straight up front, you know, like yep. there was no automation. There was no, yep. you know, unless you happen to snag, you know, the actual, you yeah. know, parking lots nearby, which let's be honest, those are probably all filled up like, you know, 36 hours before. And, I mean, it was, it was fascinating to me to see that and to realize like, man, like there are people that are making a lot of money off of this for oh, these sure. giant events like yeah. this. Yeah. And I mean, again, to your point, you know, a new stadium pops up, a new venue mm-hmm. pops up mm-hmm. and that opportunity just opens up and people are going to be like, Hey, how can I, how can I make this as efficient as possible? Yep. How can I get as much money out of this yeah. as possible? And it sounds like we've got some opportunities with technology to get us there. So, so John, let's mm-hmm. talk about then the AI part of this, because I think that's where, again, we get to take this to a whole nother level. Like we know like, hey, we're, we're, we're adding some automation. We're doing a little less of, you know, someone has to be there to take money from you. But AI, the hot topic around everything these days, is going to take that to another level. So mm-hmm. how is that changing the industry? How's it making parking smarter? You mentioned earlier the the cameras and the license plate recognition. So what's AI doing to, to all of this right now? Yeah, well, in our world, the, where AI plays is, is that license plate technology has evolved from the beginning into vehicle identification. 
and AI and machine learning and training models to recognize not only the license plate, but the state the plate's from, that the plate is on a black Ford Mustang, that that black Ford Mustang may have a dent in the right rear corner when it's brought in, um, is all being enabled by deep learning technology and training these machine vision models to do much more uh, processing uh, and provide much more data about the vehicle and Parker than was ever available just a few years ago. And it's made it much more efficient and accurate. So one of the challenges that we have had being a license plate technology company from the get-go was what they call accuracy, right? Everybody wants to know what's your accuracy of reading uh, the license plate. And in the U.S., I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, there's hundreds of different types of license plates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just in Florida alone, there's 150 right? different yeah. license plates, yeah, yeah. which makes it crazy. And you've got all of these uh, vanity plates and you throw in what some of the states have done with what's called non-reflective license plates. So we use a certain technology that allows you to read license plates in any weather, any darkness, and then they went and changed the reflective material so you can't read the license plate. And, and so AI has played a core role in our industry's development of much more capabilities and improving the accuracy of the read so that we know the, the vehicle assigned to John and Dean, which is a black Mustang with ABC 123, uh, has entered and through other technologies like digital signage, we could say, good morning, Dean. How's your day going? Would you like a cup of coffee from the Starbucks in five minutes ready for you when, when you get off the elevator? So there's a lot of cool things that we're doing uh, with AI, including uh, finding your vehicle. How many times have you gone to, a, uh, to an airport and they all look the same and you've been gone for a week and you know, I travel in and out of an airport at least every other week. And I'm like, yeah, where did I park my car this time? And, and, and through our technology of not only recognizing the vehicle, but uh, knowing when it came in and where it's at, importantly, like when you're talking about flying in and out of New York, there's multiple lots that you could have parked in. And one, one day you parked here, but another day you parked somewhere else. We can immediately go to a kiosk and punch in um, your license plate or a number. I don't remember, you know, many people don't know when challenged, what is your license plate number? As long as you know a number or a digit, you know, an alphanumeric character and a digit, you can put in those two characters and be provided a list of all of these vehicles. And you say, yes, that is my black Ford Mustang. And I did arrive on Tuesday and I'm in the blue lot level two space 55. That's good stuff. Another part of the AI that I found fascinating on your website is the digital tire chalking. I'm sure you're using yeah. maybe some uh, machine vision on that one. And, mm -hmm. and 
I was reminiscing on it because I was just in, recently in New York City and saw the ubiquitous tire boot, you know, yeah, like yeah. You know, on, on the tire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, that car clearly hasn't moved in a long time. <laughs> and they're going to have to pay a hefty fine to get right. that boot off of there. So is that another area, right? The machine yeah, vision? Yeah, so absolutely. You're, you're, you're touching on some of the areas that have been key to our organization's growth over the years. So when we started, we were mainly involved in what I would call off-street parking, which are what you guys know as lots and garages. Yeah. Um, But there's one heck of a lot of parking that occurs on street. Mm -hmm. And particularly with municipalities and campuses like universities, they're very um, concerned with controlling the on-street flow the length of time that people park, and what we've brought to the table are a platform, a cloud-based platform that can not only read the license plate, which was in our original wheelhouse, but by adding another sensor uh, to our technology, to a vehicle driving up and down the street, we not only grab the license plate, but we digitally chalk the valve stem. And when that vehicle continues its patrol, whether it's on a law enforcement vehicle or a parking enforcement vehicle, and they read a plate the second time, in the background, we're matching where the valve stem is. And if that valve stem hasn't moved and the vehicle has been there for four days, let's say, theoretically, uh, an enforcement action is is triggered, an, an alert to the driver, and... Um, they follow a process of either issuing a citation or placing a boot on the vehicle, depending on how many citations that uh, particular vehicle owner may have. Hey, John, we're talking a lot of, you know, front, uh, what I would call front of house and typically in retail. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do, are you using AI and, and, and how does your solution address like the owner? Do, do you have dashboards that the owner of these parking lots can go in and they can see? You know, I'm imagining, you know, revenues or or things of that nature. Number one, number two, do you do you get into what I would call? I, I, well, I don't know what the industry calls it, but you know, different pricing depending on uh, surge. You know, uh, in, in the reality, I mean, can you allow like parking operators to modify how much a particular spot goes for depending on demand? I mean, is this where are we getting this sophisticated with parking technology? Yeah, so so you asked a couple questions there. I'll try to answer the the last one first, um, which was really related to surge pricing, to event parking, uh, as an example, um, to what happens uh, in the morning when the facility fills up between 8 and 10. Do you want to charge more as the spots become scarcer? And we absolutely uh, provide uh, technology platform that can tell you the occupancy, that can tell you when you're approaching a certain level of occupancy, so that when that level is hit, a surge uh, is kicked in uh, to increase the uh, the hourly rate. Um, and we could just program it also sometimes a downtown facility, uh, which would normally be vacant on Saturday night, is having a concert nearby. And there's going to be an event. And so that an event uh, regulation or process can be enabled in the software to 
uh, charge a specific amount on Saturday night between 6 p.m. and 12 p.m. And whether it's $50 or $12, that's up to the owner operator how they want to charge for that event. But that would be in addition to and outside the normal parking rates. But very scalable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I imagine, because, you know, I think about like golf tee times and stuff like that. It, all this stuff is getting very, very sophisticated depending yeah, yeah. on demand uh, and other factors. And so it seems intuitive that maybe they had some AI in the back end too. Yeah, definitely. Mm. John, I have a random side question for you here too. Like thinking about the whole, you know, smart car revolution and electric vehicles mm. and all these vehicles that are getting smarter than ever, more computerized than ever. Yep. I have to imagine that's starting to, to, to become a, you know, a, a part of this as well. Do you see that being worth things are going as more and more people adopt these smart vehicles of essentially the vehicle kind of controlling most of this process as well. Like where again, not just literally ticketless, but like you don't even have to think twice about what you're doing. You're just driving into a lot parking. All the background is taken care of, you know, this is your car. This is how much you're getting charged. It's already being taken care of through mm -hmm. the vehicle. Like, mm -hmm. is that where we're going with this? Like, do you, is there, is there going to be another shift kind of in, in what these garages can do as more and more people adopt these smart vehicles too? Yeah, so I guess I kind of come out of this on seeing two sides. One is the evolution of smart vehicles and or um, companies like Waymo uh, that's owned by, I believe it's owned by Google, which is a, like a robo-taxi. And, and that concept is that, you know, people park at the outer rim of a city in a big open area a big open field and these robo taxis can bring people into the heart drop them off uh and and not utilize the the parking garage or the parking structures and you actually saw some owners and operators start to evolve uh you know with concepts called ghost kitchens in their garage that they started leasing out their space to uh provide food platforms and platforms for uh you know, the, the e-bikes and the scooters and looking at new and creative ways how they were going to use this key piece of property that was, and especially during COVID, unfortunately, enjoying less and less parking traffic. So, so you know, I, I do see uh, that type of AI technology with um, robo-taxis and then the, I think the other side of the coin is you were mentioning EV and vehicles and almost every um, site that you go to today uh, has an EV charger, right? And, and it's big business. I, I, and, and the industry is struggling to get enough EV chargers out there to keep up with the demand of the EV owners. And, you know, actually, you know, now you're seeing with uh, the cold temperatures, people are complaining about the battery uh, isn't taking the vehicle as far. So there's a backup at the EV charger. And how are we going to address that? So th there's challenges that are brought about by this EV uh, evolution. And the U.S. Uh, today is not fully prepared to go totally EV. It's not going to happen over the course of the next two to three years. Yeah, I mean, we're hey, stars could help you out with that. We've developed <laughs> yeah. a business on EV charging. Yeah, we, well, yep. I mean, there's an opportunity there. I mean, to John's point, 
uh, that's kind of a backdoor way of Blue Star kind of getting into yeah. some parking technology yeah. is through our our EV uh, technology. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think you'd be at this point need. you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you have a, a lot or a garage that isn't. Oh, doesn't yeah. have some charging yeah. stations. In yeah. it. At least have a couple in there. You know, like it's absolutely. It's one of those things. Like you know, whether you think you're gonna use it enough or not, trust me, you should have it. Because again, and we've talked about this when we talked about EV charging in the past. Mm-hmm. That the folks that are doing that, that have those vehicles, are usually tapped into networks. That whole job is to help find where these charging stations are. That's right. And if you don't have one, you're yep. not on the network, and that's why you're not seeing the vehicles showing up. That's because right. they know to skip you because yeah. you don't have that offering yeah, for them. Exactly. So. All right, well, John, let's talk about the the hardware side of things here. And, and obviously, I know you, you guys focus a lot on the the cameras and the ticket stations. It's a big part of what you sell as part of your solutions. But you know, for our VARs, maybe you're interested in doing this. They might partner up with you, and but they're thinking like, well, what am I going to get out of this from a hardware side myself? What other kind yeah. of hardware opportunities will they have when they go out and help deploy a smart parking solution? You know, are, are we talking mobile computers, tablets, digital signage? Like, what other stuff can All they? Of that. Sell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, that's part of what we sell today uh, through our network is Blue Star provided uh, tablets for handheld scanning, like we were talking about enforcement in municipalities and streets and parking enforcement officers scanning uh, vehicles and license plates. And we do that through tablets. We do it through uh, small uh, mobile computers. Um, There's digital signing in almost every garage. There's RFID, uh, there is auto ID, there is lighting, there is so much technology in addition to what we bring to the table. We're, you know, relatively a small cog in the overall wheel of what goes in to a parking system. And I, and I would like to separate paid parking from access control because everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there is parking And the only differentiator is whether somebody is making money off of it or they're providing it as a service to their employees, visitors, customers. And either way, there is technology that we're both involved with that plays a role. You know, just in a corporate campus, a corporate office, there's access control, um, RFID, there are intercoms. There is digital signage. There is credentials. And we, we happen to be in the license plate credential business, but it's usually, and it would be odd to only use a license plate. Almost everywhere we go, there is a first and second credential, of which we only play with one of them. And, and so Blue Star has a number of the other credentials within their house. And and so when uh, a VAR goes to a particular facility that offers parking, whether it's a corporate office campus or a paid parking lot or garage in a downtown area, there's a lot of technology that that VAR has access to due to the Blue Star relationship. And through us. Yeah. And like I said, well, as we already talked about, the note I had here is EV and, and some right, of the other right. expanding things. You know, it's it's interesting. And, and I don't know if you see this, John, but, you know, a lot of our resellers have relationships. And we always talk about that with mm-hmm. their customers. And they're just looking for ways to, well, what other technology can I deploy 
to improve my relationship with my existing customers. And, right, right. and that's why, you know, I think this, in, this information is important because now they can see that, well, there's a whole nother, uh, a world out there and you work with other resellers, John, is that a true statement? Like if you had a, you know, a partner over in whatever California or something like that, and, and they wanted to resell some of your technologies that you guys have developed, uh, that's okay. Right. Y- yes. So our, uh, our channel strategy is mostly like 98% of our overall revenue is driven through VARs, resellers. Um, so we don't sell our technology direct and go out and install it. Um, we, we count on uh, resellers and VARs that have the boots on the ground that can go out and install and bolt down, maybe cut loops or use, uh, you know, we have uh, a new software technology that replaces in-ground loops with uh, software triggers that, you know, can uh, alert the system that a vehicle is present. But there, there's a lot of ways that the the VARs can make money, both from a resale hardware perspective from an installation perspective, and then the ongoing SLA support level agreements that are required, uh, along with um, recurring revenue based on uh, usage of our cloud uh, platform for digital permits at a university. I, I think one of the earlier questions that I didn't really answer is about a dashboard, right? And we have an online dashboard that, um, Customers, you know, a, a homeowner uh, and an administrator can go to to see uh, their permit. Where are they allowed to park? How much does it cost them on a monthly, annual, weekly basis to park in one lot versus another lot? How much have I spent in the past? What's the record of my citations? How much do I owe? Oh, I need to pay that one or I need to contest it and go through a contingency process where that really wasn't my vehicle. And then, you know, the owner of the the property, the street, the university says, oh, here's a picture of your vehicle parked in front of the fire hydrant. So you owe $250. Um, so, so we have all of that dashboard available as a SaaS model that we share with our VARs. See, that's brilliant right there. I mean, yeah. so there is, uh, I guess, an answer to a question we were going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are. There's there's opportunities here to get recurring revenue. Yeah. I think yep. he, he, John just did a fantastic job of laying out the opportunity in my mind of – you know what? What is what is there for the value-added reseller or solution integrator that has these relationships with the universities, the hospitals, the you know the folks that have parking facilities, and 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 there's just a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, 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 I agree. And easier and easier to install, like you said, John. Like a lot of this is becoming camera technology and and things like that. You don't you know um, what is it? Gateless, I guess. Uh, you don't yeah, need you, to put you in don't these need types the gate. of things. You, you don't need the gate. Dispenser. You... Yeah. Right. Do a lot, most of it through uh, software. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, go. brilliant, yeah. good yeah, stuff. I agree. Yep. Well, then, hey, yeah, to your point, that answers my last question here, which is about the recurring revenue possibilities. Mm-hmm. And it sounds mm-hmm. like we've got this SaaS model in place, which 
Dean and I, it's our favorite things to hear about. You know, Who doesn't like a check coming uh, in the mail every month? Exactly. <laughs> Anytime we can offer up ideas for, for recurring revenue, that's that's gold to us because we think that's what our all of our partners should be doing Absolutely. is out there trying to figure out how to have a nice base of ongoing revenue they're driving. For so, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, well, then we'll shift over before we get to our value to the VAR, where we'll talk a little bit about, again, how VARs can get interested in these opportunities, how they mm-hmm. can partner up with OmniQ. Want to, as always, thank our sponsors here on the show. And again, we are kicking off a, a new, new year. Here. Yes. So I want to rattle off a few of our, our partners, both new and old, that are supporting our show. We've got Elo, Zebra, DataLogic, Epson, Honeywell, and Wasp. There may be more to come as we go down yes. the, the road here. Yes. But those are the ones who've already Coming committed to yes. supporting our Tech Connect program, which not only helps create an ISV community that helps them enter the channel and connect with vendors and VARs, mm. but also is they're also supporting initiatives like our podcast to educate and inform our partners as well. So thank you so much to all those vendors for supporting us. We appreciate them. Yep. And we will be hearing more from them and, and the folks that work with them throughout the year throughout, as well. Yep. Uh, of course, if you like the show, if you're interested in the show, the best thing you can always do is somehow give us some sort of feedback in some yeah. way yeah. And, or, or provide some kind of a review like the episode, subscribe. It's the kind of stuff that helps us grow and helps us build and helps new folks find the show. Obviously, any opportunity you have to share an episode, if you mm-hmm, like what you heard about mm-hmm. something, if you're listening to this episode and like, man, this is some really cool stuff, I'm going to share this with my colleague. Please do that kind of stuff. And of course, also let us know what you want to hear about on the show. Yeah. This show only works if we're doing stuff that you guys are appreciating, that you're enjoying, that yeah. you like listening to. That Drop are us an idea. That That's right. That's right. Yeah. Send an idea. And there's always a link in the show notes where you can send ideas to us. We'll send you a T-shirt just for doing that. Hey. You need to get on our new T-shirt for this year. Yes. For look. Hey, if you yes. got a suggestion for what our T-shirt should have on it, send that in too. <laughs> oh, to oh I got an idea. Okay, great. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Send it, send it in, Dean. <laughs> send it in and you'll get a T-shirt of the T-shirt that you're recommending. Yeah, there it is. For. There it is. Uh, and as always... If you want to stay in touch with us, you can always email us techconnectedbluestarinc.com or follow Blue Star on LinkedIn. All right, let's wrap up today. First of all, with our value to the VAR. Yeah. Our way of kind of giving a little bit of a takeaway to our audience. I think there's some value here. I, I think there is too. Mm-hmm. And again, this is one of those things I feel like, you know, if you've got the opportunity, the options for opportunities here, there's no reason to not to pursue them. So, mm-hmm. so John, let's talk about that. Where should VARs that are interesting in parking opportunities begin? Who should they be talking to? How does OmniQ fit into that process? And then talk a little bit about what they gain by working with you also. You mentioned a little bit of the SaaS model of recurring revenue, but yeah. you know, give us a little more detail on that. Sure. So, so I, I like to start close to home. And by that, what I mean is all of our partners and Blue Star partners, and you have thousands of them. And, and by the way, I'll also mention that we're a global company as Blue Star is, and we have uh, VARs uh, throughout the world. We're bigger in some countries than others, and we're always looking to expand that network. But domestically here, uh, what I would call domestic, the U.S. and Canada, um, we're always looking uh, to grow our uh, our network. And I think that one of the easiest places is your own backyard. And everybody that's going to go out of their house today is going, if they go more than a block, they're going to see some kind of parking lot or facility. And and I think you start with your customer base, uh, which of those uh, customers uh, have an office, which of them have a parking facility. And it's almost all of them. Like anywhere you go, you're going to see parking. 
Now, the difference is, do you know the people or do you not know the people, right? So, you know, I like to start with the people that I know that I'm already having a relationship with. Maybe it's because I'm reselling some of the products you already mentioned, zebra scanners, handhelds, tablets, computers, and I'm selling it to XYZ technology company. Well, I can assure you that XYZ technology company has parking and they have a parking challenge that can be addressed by all of the products that are under the Blue Star umbrella, ranging from signage to RFID to uh, bringing in us for AI and license plate recognition and vehicle identification and creating a smooth transition for a uh, customer or employee to get into and out of a, a facility in a smooth manner, smooth, low, low friction uh, transaction, whether that means you're using your phone with an application on it, or it means that you're using a QR code that you scan. There's a lot of technology uh, that's being deployed, and I would uh, encourage um, our partners and potential partners to, to look at their existing customers. That's number one. Uh, and then as you begin to go from there, you ask, well, you know, who do you talk to? Where do you go? And there's a couple tiers of people. One is owners and operators, right? There are a big couple, as an example of an operator, we do work with a company out of uh, Chicago, billion dollar organization called SB Plus. They're in every city providing parking services, technology. There's another one called LAS. And every major city has operators that provide services for these parking structures. So even though we've talked a lot about automation, reduction of people, almost every facility still relies on the old fallback uh, of a live human to address issues that come up from a customer service perspective. So you're looking for operators uh, that operate in a particular city dozens, if not hundreds of locations is a good place. And then some of uh, the VARs have particular niches with uh, what I call architects and engineers consultants that are working on projects and they're looking for VARs and resellers to bring into them for their new structure. All of the latest technologies of which our partners have the most intimate knowledge and the most robust selection of different technologies to choose from to assist these A&Es and consultants in a greenfield design where they want to bring in the latest and greatest. There you go. And yeah. it's easy to work with you guys, right? Would they contact you directly or uh, somebody yeah. on your team? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so obviously, I think you looked at our website website, www.omniq.com, very, very simple. Uh, and I would be the main contact. Anything that they log in there as far as a query ends up with uh, visibility to, uh, to myself. And then, you know, we have a, a sales team that are strategically placed uh, working virtually around the country and will distribute those, those leads based on um, where a VAR is uh, particularly located. We do like to go out and we like to survey the site, you know, of a person who's interested and help the bar. And we always go out uh, with, a, with a new partner and assist them with the initial install. I would call it, uh, you know, on the job training, so to speak. You know, our technology is sold, but there are nuances that only the seasoned people really know. And we go out and train the trainers 
both whether it's in their offices or at the actual site at the time and hold their hand through a successful transition of implementing our new technology to a new customer so that they can scale it and repeat it again and again. That's awesome. There yeah. you go. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't ask for a better partner than that. Come on. No, not at all. Yeah. I, was, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking the same thing about, you know, that John mentioned about the mm-hmm. existing customers mm-hmm. going out, talking to people you already know. They're probably going to have, at the very least, if they're not running the parking, they're going to know who does. Mm-hmm. And I think also it, this is one of those consultative selling things, too, where you want to have yeah, some, right. some background and some history. Guess what? Any of those customers that do have parking related to their business in some way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're also going to know a lot of the pain points and the challenges. Oh, for Whether sure. it's employees. Yeah that are trying to figure out how to park themselves, whether they got customers that had trouble parking and are complaining to them, there's going to be good info you're going to be able to get from those customers about the current parking situation Mm -hmm. that will then help you go to those managers and administrators and talk to them about like what's going on and present these solutions. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff there. I like that. Your own backyard somewhere down the street is probably a parking (laughs) lot that that there might be some opportunity. Don't have to go too far. Don't have to go too far. All right. So, and hey, how often do you get to say that? I mean, you know, like, right? Like, go find an opportunity. It's probably right down the road from you. So, <laughs> uh, literally, let's, yeah. let's wrap up as always with what's tech connecting with you. This is our fun segment. Where we get to talk about yes. something in the world of tech, science, innovation, business, discovery, mm-hmm. something that's caught our eye. We feel like chatting about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John, I'll let you kick off here. What's tech connecting with you right now? Yeah. Well, you know, recently, you know, over the holiday, we I was fortunate enough to get a week away with the family, and everybody got a book. And the book that I picked out was the autobiography of uh, Elon Musk, uh, written by, uh, I think it was Walter Isaacson, who also did the Steve Jobs autobiography. And uh, you think you know Elon Musk, but the autobiography, first of all, it was a a fabulous book. But what really connected with me resonates in my world with what he's done and doing with AI and machine vision and self-driving cars and robotics and you know what he's done with EV and Tesla and and I've always enjoyed space and the SpaceX story is quite amazing and what he's trying to do with the boring company boring tunnels from Las Vegas to LA I, I mean so so that really connected with me and it connected with me on a personal level related to my own industry what we do with AI, what we do with machine vision, machine learning. And he certainly is one of the the drivers behind what's happening with AI. You go back to, you know, he he was with Sam Bankman-Fried and a founder of OpenAI and wanted it to be open. Now, it never ended, it didn't end up that way. It ended up being more closed than open. And he, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried took it uh, and made money off of it, which wasn't the idea. But uh, the point is that that really connected with me. Yeah, good yeah. stuff there. I don't know that I understand the boring company, but but all the other technologies that he's involved in, I love it. <laughs> other know. than it's a it's a fun name for a company that's it's a literal <laughs> name, but it also is a fun name because you know boring double company. entendre. Yeah, yes, exactly. right, yes, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Well, hey, I like that. So we haven't had any many book recommendations yes, on the yes, show. Yes, yes, so. yeah. There so you go. There we you need go. the book club. If you're looking the, for the a, Tech Connect book club. Yeah, if you're looking for a good go. book to read. <laughs> Uh, the Musk bio gets the seal of approval from John here. So, yes, all right, Dean, yes. what about you? What's technically good? We are right getting now? closer to unlimited energy. You know, I know the energy is oh, kind of nice. an issue, right? Yeah. The burning of the fossil fuels and trying to figure this all out. Here's the headline U.S. nuclear fission, fusion lab 
uh, enters new era, achieving ignition over and over again. So oh, scientists nice. have managed to repeatedly produce nuclear fusion ignition for the first time, making a major milestone towards achieving near limitless clean energy at scale. So apparently there's this uh, laboratory out there in, uh, in of course, California. Uh, and it produced... Uh, uh, so what they do is they have 192 laser beams that fire at... And this is where it gets over my head. Frozen pellets <laughs> of isotope held within a diamond capsule suspended in a gold cylinder. Uh, okay. okay. Apparently, <laughs> when you do that, you fire. When you fire the lasers at it, it actually produces more energy than you put into it. So it's, it's this nuclear fusion that's that's doing that. So it was able to to increase the energy spent by eighty nine percent. So they're very excited about it. Now they were only able to produce enough energy to boil a kettle of water, and then this particular one. But it's a proof of concept. They they got it now, and now it's just a question more of kind of scaling, I guess, to a certain right, degree. Right. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, some of the people involved in it called this a quote moment of history by uh, uh, physicists. You know, uh, that work on this, like, hey, this this is a big thing. Right. So, getting a little bit closer to unlimited energy. All I didn't right. say free. I just said well, yeah. unlimited <laughs> energy. It's not like going to have one of these in your pocket because it's it's diamond encapsulated <laughs> in a gold cylinder. I mean, I can maybe in your car. I'll say I could raid my wife's jewelry box. You know, I mean, is there enough that I, I've spent enough on that stuff over the years? Is there enough yeah. there I can get some energy? Well, out I don't of know. You know, maybe, house? maybe yeah. Elon's going to put this. What, what do they call it in Back to the Future? The the, uh, the flux capacitor. The flux capacitor. Uh, maybe this yeah. is the flux capacitor. There you go. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, yeah we're getting even closer. What's tech connecting start, with you? Start feeding some bananas in there and see if it gets us <laughs> running. All right. Well, I'm not going to get anything sophisticated as you know, world changing technologies yes. and fusion and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm going to talk about beer. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know can change the world. Yeah, can change the world in other ways. So. Uh, all right, so this is a story I found uh, on uh, CNBC's Make It page, which talks about a couple of Stanford grads. So Stanford grads created a hangover-free alternative to beer. Whoa. In just four years, they're on track for $36 million in annual sales. Okay, I'm intrigued. So these two guys came together. They uh, Is there they, an IV bag involved in this? There's not. No, okay, this, good. This isn't one of those things. Yeah, basically, yeah. they were like, hey, you know— the hangover thing is is a is an issue, and you know, and also we're, we're getting to this point too, where, I mean, you know, you and I, as men of a certain age, yes. don't appreciate the hangovers for our own no, reasons, right? But you've also got a lot of younger folks now who are, you know, indulging in things like you know, like dry January, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. these, you know, and, and are are increasingly moving towards you know sobriety and away from alcohol and into other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. because they're just not interested necessarily in in the after effects of alcohol and the the potential health detriments of alcohol as sure. well. So there's sure. a big move towards that that may be impacting the beer space ah. in general. So these guys were kind of like, hey, how can we still have some of the fun that comes with this mm-hmm. without all the health problems, without all the lingering stuff, without the hangover? Intrigued. So they are the co-founders. They're two 35-year-olds. They're the co-founders of a company called Can C-A-N-N. It's a beverage startup with a flagship drink that includes two milligrams of THC. Okay. So a little bit of THC in there, which is obviously the psychoactive yep. ingredient from cannabis. Right. Uh, so they refer to it as this social tonic, and it's a hangover-free alternative to beer. You get some mm-hmm. of the, the fun benefits out of it, mm-hmm. the, you know, the 
you know, just how beer makes you feel, you know, yep, when you yep. drink a good alcoholic sure. drink, but without the, the, the health issues, as many of those, and without the So is it a beer or is well. it a seltzer, you It's saying? basically more of like a seltzer Okay, so this is, this, more this is more like of a an white claw yeah, exactly. kind of a thing. Okay, got it. So they've been, they, they started making these out of a Palo Alto garage, like a true tech company, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff they're doing. They've, they've grown quite, uh, you know, quite a bit over time, and they also are like pointing out that like, you know, hey... This isn't like the, you know, this isn't the idea of like the stoner mentality of like mm, go out and get as high mm. as you possibly can. Right, you know, like, right, right, right. But they also say no shade to the stoners, but this is an alternative <laughs> or someone wants the happy medium of kind of like in that direction without going too far and then also not having the hangover part of it too. Huh. So, so right. they're working pretty hard at this. They, you know, like I said, they've, they've continued to grow and built their, uh, their business out. I will say though, I was looking at some of the, the potential options here of beverage choice, like flavors they have. Oh no. And this is my hangout a little bit here See, because, here we go. Yeah. I'm not sure about some of these. There's a grapefruit rosemary. <clears throat> not sure how I feel about the rosemary part of that. Uh-huh. Uh, I like rosemary as a cooking ingredient. I don't know if I want it as... <laughs> with grapefruit yeah, in a with drink. With grapefruit yeah. in a drink, but okay. Uh, blood orange cardamom. All right. That one I can give you. The blood uh, orange okay. I like. Cardamom is a good flavor, I think. I that don't can, know what cardamom is, but go that ahead. That can work. Yeah, I think right. that can work. And the other one is a lemon lavender. So, oh, jeez. See, why yeah. do they got to get bougie with these tastes? <laughs> Just give me some wild cherry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. I, I, so I'm not sure Orange. about the flavors yet. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but you know, either way, they've got a good idea. They've you know they've run in a direction that is, is beneficial, and they they do all kinds of fun social marketing around it too. There's a uh, as always, we all I'll have a link in the show notes to this. But they they did a, a whole gag. You know, how people put out those around Halloween, their versions of the spirit Halloween costumes. Yes, and uh-huh. they'll come up with something fun. So uh-huh. they they put out one called sexy weed soda, and it's just a girl wearing like a vision a version of a, one of their cans basically, and it says include. Includes water, bubbles, juice, agave, just a little bit of cannabis. Does not include alcohol, hangovers, or the willpower required not to text your ex. Nice. So, <laughs> so they have, they're having fun with this too. So there you go. You know, maybe there if you're is. looking for an alternative. Well, and they're to bucking drink, yeah. they're bucking the trend of uh, startups that you and I have noticed. They actually have a, a vowel in their name. Did you say that's a good point? C-A-N-N? Yeah, it's not just not I mean, just obviously CNN. They're, is they're shortening cannabis. They still got the shortened sub version of something. But they did. Yeah, you're right. They didn't. They could have done like. Kinbus or something, right, you know, right, right, like right, 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 CNBS yeah. or something like that. You're, it's a good point. They they left a vowel in, so oh, you know, they're well, they're already well. changing that game there. Fair so. enough. All right, that does it for us today. That's what's tech connecting with us. John Whiteman from OmniQ, thank you so much thank for you, joining John. us today. Appreciate having you on the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, until next time, go out and uh, you know find yourself a good place to park. Yep. If you do, hang on to it yep. because those are few and far between. But don't don't not so long as you get that boot on your car. Though. That's right. Yeah, you don't want never have that happen. Don't ever no, want to have that happen. Uh, And as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Elo. Dean Kiests are they're everywhere these days. They sure are. They're inside, yes. They're outside, they're outside. We just talked about outside type deployments. This is true stuff. You this know, in parking. True. You know. Yep. 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 So, uh, but how do you ensure that outdoor deployments are safe and they're usable in Ooh, all conditions? Yeah. Well, Elo has the answer with their outdoor open frame monitor. Aha. Elo's 27 inch outdoor monitor boasting 1500 nits of brightness. And that's bright. IK10 vandal proof rate. I'm glad you know that. Yes, that's, that's bright. Things, like that sounds cool, but. 
I don't actually know what that means. <laughs> you, as a digital science yes. guy in your past, you yes, know yes, that yes. stuff. Uh, they ensure 24-7 performance, even in direct sunlight. It's readable with polarized sunglasses. It thrives in extended temperatures. I am right now nice. talking about some extended temperatures. Oh, yes. To the low side. Uh, yes, yeah. on the very low side right now. <laughs> uh, ideal for payment systems, signage, and charging stations. This brilliant, optically bonded, weatherproof monitor features edge-to-edge glass for seamless outdoor enclosure integration. To provide unmitigated performance for day and night, the ambient light sensor automatically adjusts to display's brightness to optimize power consumption, extend the display's life, and enhance the viewing experience. That's smart. It really is. So with flexible installation options, touch-through PCAP functionality, and compatibility with ELO's backpack compute engine, the 2799 open frame monitor is the perfect display for your next outdoor kiosk solution. Check the link in the show notes for more information or contact your Blue Star ELO representative. 